you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Dr. Shruti Gohill with us, UC Irvine School of Medicine, where she's professor and associate medical director for epidemiology and infection prevention. A very good Tuesday to you, Dr. Gohill. Good Tuesday to you. So uh, first of all, how are things going at uh, UC Irvine, the medical center there? And are you seeing all the positive developments that other hospitals in our region are seeing? Yeah, absolutely. Relieved to see it. Uh, definitely has been stable for the last couple of weeks, both by hospitalizations and overall numbers for COVID infections. And as uh, we look at BA2, the subvariant of Omicron, which has been a real problem in some parts of Europe and Asia, and uh, to some extent has, has caused some increases in cases uh, along the East Coast, you know, what's your thought on, on a possible timeline here? Because even as BA2 cases have become a larger percentage of COVID cases, even here, we don't seem to be seeing a significant increase in cases yet. Yeah, you know, I think it takes time. These virus dynamics, are it's been so um, interesting to see. Uh, you know, never, I think, that I can think of in recent history for the various um, strains that come along uh, have we been able to and and have a concerted effort to measure each strain that comes out genomically and then watch how it spreads? So this is going to be educational, you know, across the board. But what I will say about this um, new variant is that yes, do we think that it's going to replace uh, the prior? Yeah, of course it will. It will take more time to do that. And what we're seeing is all the other um, all the other countries that have gone through this. The varying amounts of immunity to whichever strain pass through that community to provide enough uh, sort of um, resistance at the community level to uh, to the virus, you know, uh, uh, and therefore slowing its spread. That's the really key question as to when it's going to spread and how fast it would spread. I would hope that the amount of, you know, vaccination and boosting that we are seeing this, what that's what we are currently, I think, reaping the benefit of at this time, at least in those highly vaccinated and boosted communities. But I do think that it is in our future for this to potentially surge, maybe a small surge, but it will be. Uh, it will be a thing. Dr. Gohill, each day I've been asking our experts uh, their thoughts about uh, getting a second booster shot um, because, you know, so much of that involves 
a person weighing his or her vulnerabilities, uh, immune response, the kinds of activities they're going to be engaged with, many moving parts. The age, of course, since the it's open for people 50 and older and a healthy 55-year-old is, you know, a different circumstance than someone who's 75 and dealing with health uh, challenges. So what for you uh, do you think should be the deciding factors on that second booster? Definitely age. Uh, underlying immune system uh, weakness versus not. So uh, both, and I mean that both by whether or not your actual uh, you know, bone is, is producing good antibodies, so weakened immune system because of cancer or something like that, but also because uh, for those people who have weakened immunity system locally in the airways, so those patients who have COPD or chronic severe emphysema or um, asthma, those those kinds of patients I would be very attentive to considering a fourth booster. But here's some really interesting things that, that we should look out for and so excited to say, um, you know, the NIH has a series of head-to-head trials on boosters um, and, uh, amongst the very the available virus uh, vaccines, uh, and then combinations of Omicron specific and other uh, variant specific uh, vaccines. So there's a series of six different vaccine combinations um, that they are going to be testing in populations and rolling out early this summer, uh, or actually it's already uh, in, underway. Uh, and, and I hope that we're going to see, we're really excited to see potential data from that it, by August, they're saying. So if that, you know, that will really inform our strategy. So this would be a vaccine cocktail? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this idea of who, who, should, get, who should get boosted isn't not exactly that, doesn't answer that specific question as much as, well, what should you get? What's the best combination yeah. of this, the latest strain? Mm. And... What sorts of um, advances are we making, if any, to your knowledge, on a pan-coronavirus vaccine that would, you know, as the flu vaccine attempts to do, cover a number of different strains? Uh, Has that reached the clinical trial period yet, a a pan-coronavirus vaccine? Yeah, I think that's that's what this particular uh, trial, a uh, series of six different vaccine combinations, um, is looking to sort of help us get to that place where we can envision envision that everybody everybody's interested in this. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen that that we have a pan uh, pan active uh, vaccine yet, uh, but but yes, I think the studies are definitely underway. I don't. See, see anything under clinical trials like I have seen this this one that I I had just uh, read about in uh, in New York. All right, we're talking with Dr. Shruti Gohill, UC Irvine School of Medicine, where she's professor of medicine and associate medical director for epidemiology and infection prevention. I'd like to hear any of your questions that you have for Dr. Gohill on COVID nineteen, on strains uh, having to do with vaccines, uh, masking. Of course, we're at eight six six eight nine three KPECC eight six six eight nine three five seven two two or email your question to Dr. Gohill at atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location and your first name in your question. We would appreciate that very much. Um, A vaccine specifically for Omicron, um, I know that there were testing of that, 
but that has not been rolled out. And what's what's the reason for that, to the best of your understanding, Dr. Gohill? Oh, you know, I'm not sure I'm qualified to say um, a, a vaccine specific to Omicron. You know, it's true that, you know, I think people were waiting to see what the next la- latest and greatest um, vaccine, uh, you know, would would provide what, what level of protection would be provided by the old vaccine in order to gauge how much you needed a new Omicron specific vaccine. That said, I do know that, you know, the the intention would be for a next booster in the fall would be to include something like Omicron and trials like the one that I just mentioned are going to be helpful in understanding, um, understanding the answer to your question. I, you know, I can't think of anything other than the fact that 60 to 70 percent of all of the BA, the, the first variant, uh, variant of uh, Omicron was you, you still saw a really mild illness. You saw an illness that was protecting um, the uh, protected against uh, hospitalization with the prior vaccines. And so that your hand is a little less uh, forced to activate the kind of uh, response that we, we had to have for Delta and Alpha. So um, that's that's all I can think of, but that would be all mm. in my own thoughts. Uh, Nancy in Claremont emailed us, I'm over 60, got my second booster yesterday. My three previous shots were Moderna. This time I got Pfizer because I was told it was better to mix it up. Do you agree with that or does it matter? Yeah, yeah there's data showing that if you had one uh, type the first time around, they get the, the, another uh, type uh, of vaccine. The second time that your boosted immunity is slightly better, um, you know, really the truth is that any uh, third vaccine will boost your immunity. So I don't know that Delta between, you know, just a, a little bit better with the uh, a mix and match method is necessarily worth a delay or anything like that. But, um, but yes, it, there is data to support that type of thinking. I, I chose to get my second booster with Moderna. All my injections have been Moderna because I've been able to tolerate the side effects reasonably well. Um, it's, you know, uh, I've had a few hours of, of discomfort or extreme fatigue, but everything was manageable. So for me, Dr. Goehill, I thought, well, I, since I've tolerated it well, I would just go ahead and stay with what I know, how I react to it. So smart. So smart. I think that's absolutely correct. My booster was uh, uh, the third of the Pfizer. So I and I had the same, um, although I didn't tolerate Pfizer very well at all. I was quite laid up. <laughs> the third, I will say that the third uh, vaccine it was better than the second time around for sure. All right. That's good. Well, and plus Moderna, it's it's the half dose for the boosters. That was another thing that I considered because I thought that also would be less apt to lay, lay me low. Stella in Palm Springs says, I had two shots of Moderna, my first booster, also Moderna, but looking at getting a second. Oh, this is what we just talked about. Yeah. So we already answered that question. Uh, 866-893-KPCC, or you can email us at atcomments at kpcc.org. Org. Uh, we have another question emailed or tweeted, I should say. Stephen La Cunada says, what's the supportive evidence that the CDC director is thinking when she says there doesn't seem to be deleterious effects of multiple booster shots within short periods of time? Oh, um, well, define short is what I would say or ask uh, in response to that, because 
um, it, it, it is true that I think what they, what she was going for with that statement was this idea about, you know, well, what about if we do this less than one year because um, we're not used to doing boosting and you know, generally when we boost, we do annual boosters or uh, several years worth of boosters, say for tetanus or something. Um, so it, it, keeping that into perspective and the fact that we can, we have seen boosting in patients um, that, you know, is, you know, pre, as soon as you're eligible, boom, go ahead and boost. And we have not. It is true that I can tell you that anecdotally we've not seen untoward effect. Um, I, but I, I can't say that I've seen primary data um, speaking to that. I, I would assume that she, on a public health level, has access to that kind of information. I know there's a theoretical concept for where getting too many vaccines would lead to a long-term negative effect, but I can't now remember what that is. Did, can you recall, Dr. Gohill, what, and again, this is not something that is expected to happen, but that theoretically could happen from taking, say, a booster every six months? Yeah, I think the theoretical concern that some of us would have and and, and would look for uh, national entities like CDC and ACIP to be judicious about in reviewing the data um, uh, in the medical community, we would be interested in knowing whether or not the side effects would get amplified in any way. Um, and we would be interested to know if the antibody uh, that is produced, uh, you know, uh, does it introduce any new or stronger uh, side effects um, than, than what has, has been seen in the previous uh, a previous uh, vaccine series. And so I think that's the safety efficacy um, risk benefit profile is what we'd be interested in knowing in the medical community. Um, other things that people have been worried about have not really been borne out. One of the things that I know hit the media a lot and um, worked with concern for pediatrics with multisystem inflammatory syndrome. Uh, we know that COVID itself can cause uh, multisystem inflammatory syndrome. There was early concern uh, by many uh, that the vaccine could mimic um, that kind of activity in the body. I have to say that that has not been borne out um, with the vaccine. You can get it from COVID. doesn't look like the vaccine is doing that. Um, the only other thing I would mention is in terms of side effects. I mean, this, this has proven to be actually quite safe. If you look at all the other vaccines that are out there that we've all taken as kids and grown up in the system for, you know, it really does seem like it's, a, it's one of the safest vaccines we have. The pediatric side effect of myocarditis is the only one that I have seen in young men that has a little bit higher uh, rate with um, with vaccination. Even that uh, didn't bear out to have you know, untoward effects significant enough that we would at a rate significant enough that we would um, stop that vaccination. So I actually think that it's reasonable to to make an assertion that these are highly safe vaccines, even for boosting. But yes, people make no mistake that with the boosting, you know, we still have the vaccine adverse events system in place. Um, and every uh, purported side effect has been recorded and evaluated. And over time, we will learn more and more. All right. Uh, also, just want to share if you are covered under Medicare, uh, it was announced yesterday that uh, drugstores will be providing 
uh, COVID tests for free under Medicare Part B outpatient coverage. So if you're covered by Medicare Part B outpatient coverage, you will be entitled to uh, get enough tests from a pharmacy to test twice a week, as some uh, doctors in some cases have recommended. And um, pretty much all the major pharmacies appear to be on the list, the major chain pharmacies participating in this. Dr. Gohill, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it so much. We'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Sounds great. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAist.com, at kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.